Hey everyone, I too want to welcome you to this online service of the Hersey Free Church. My name is George Davis. Thank you for joining us. Some of you are new to our church, and if you happen to be watching this on Sunday morning during either the 9 or 10.30 time slot, I want you to know that I'll, I'll be hosting a, an online Zoom chat right after the service. So if you're new to the church, I would love the opportunity to meet you, or if you'd just like to continue the conversation about this passage that we're going to be looking at, I invite you to jump in and join us. The Zoom link is going to be in the notes section that you'll find on your screen. Now, a couple of days ago, I don't know about you, but I had kind of an interesting conversation with my wife. We were having dinner together, and I looked at her. And there was this awkward moment of silence, and that's when I, I realized we don't, we don't really have anything to talk about. This day is kind of just like the day before, and it's just like the day before that. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that, and, and this season is getting longer. I had a conversation with my neighbor this week, and she looked at me and said, I am just absolutely exhausted. As, as this season continues, I know there are lots of questions kind of rolling in the back of our minds, like when is it going to be over? When can we get back out and do more things? What about summer activities? Likewise, I think for those of us that are Christians, we've got some additional questions that we may be wrestling with. Questions like, okay, so where, where exactly is God in all this? What exactly is God doing? And those questions really lead us to the passage that we're going to be looking at together this morning. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the theme of living in hope. We've been looking at Romans 8, where Paul talks about the theme of hope and, and wrestling with the question, so in the midst of this pandemic, how can we be people who live with hope? And, and this morning, as we continue our journey through Romans 8, we're coming to one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. It's, it's this verse. Romans 8:28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now unfortunately because this verse is so popular I think it's sometimes used as a weapon. If you've been in Christian circles a long time maybe this has happened to you at some point. You've gone through something hard or difficult or discouraging and and someone looks at you and goes, well, you know, all things work together for good. And, and it's, it's, it's almost like they, they just dismissed your experience or they're disregarding the weight of, of what you are going through. So how do, how do we understand this promise? How do we understand it in a way that's, that's actually meaning for us in this situation? How do we understand this verse in a way that it makes sense and it's just not some trite cliche that's repeated over and over again in Christian circles? As we ask those kinds of questions, I think we have to start by understanding what this verse is not saying. So let me just share with you three things this, this promise is not saying. First of all, this, this promise doesn't mean that we are immune from hard situations or hard circumstances. You know, some people, I, we, we read this verse and I think we think, okay, this means God is, God is always going to protect me. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And, and then if something bad does happen, we look around and go, okay, what did I do wrong? But this, this verse isn't promising that, that you and I are immune from tough circumstances. Actually, I think it, Paul is, is saying the exact opposite. I mean, when Paul says, in all things, he means all things. Those good things, those high moments, those, those encouraging moments in life, but, but also the hard places, the difficult places, 
the painful places. Remember, Paul has just talked about creation groaning in frustration. Furthermore, as you read a little farther in the passage, Paul talks about challenging circumstances, troubles, hardships, persecution, death. And Paul is saying that God can be at work in all of those situations. So this this isn't a promise that, that we are immune from bad circumstances. It's not a promise that somehow you and I won't experience the, the challenging things that other people experience. Secondly, uh, this promise doesn't mean that our bad circumstances will quickly get better. I think sometimes people, uh, they read this passage and they say something like this. Well, I know, I know bad things sometimes happen, but when they do, God's going to make it immediately better. So, you know, maybe I, I go through a job interview. I'm really excited about the potential for this job. I, I make it to the second round of interviews, but, but ultimately they give the job to someone else. And I say, well, that must mean I've got a, I've got a good job. It's right around the corner. It'll be the next interview I go for. But but there's nothing in this verse that means that our bad circumstances will, will quickly get better. I mean, think for a moment about the original recipients of this letter. When Romans was written, right, it's written to these early Christians in the city of Rome. At the time it's written, they're probably somewhere between 100 and 200 Christians in the city. And they're, they're meeting in house groups, house churches. In fact, they're, they're gathering in living rooms just like many of you are watching this with other people. The, the environment you are experiencing is the exact kind of environment where this letter was first written. Now, many of those people seated in those house groups are individuals who had converted from Judaism. And this is where, this is where the background gets really interesting. You see, most likely when the message of Christ came to Rome, it was brought by Jewish converts. And when they brought the message to Rome, they started talking about Jesus in in Jewish synagogues. And, And apparently, as people were talking about Jesus in the Jewish community, it led to conflict and disagreement and some kind of uproar. And finally, the emperor Claudius said, enough, I'm done with you guys. So in AD 49, he issued an edict, a directive, that required all of the Jews in the city to leave the city. And this edict was in effect for five years. And it would have affected many Christians who had come from a Jewish background. People like Aquila and Priscilla that we read about in the New Testament. Now, apparently the letter to Rome was written shortly after these people were allowed to come back to the city. So imagine this for a moment. Imagine, okay, you're seated in one of these house groups with these other followers of Jesus, and you've just gotten this letter from Paul, and it's being read to you for the first time. And seated next to you is this guy who's just returned from this five-year exile. Now, you and I, we've been going through a disruption in our lives and our routines for six weeks, and we already know how complicated that is. Imagine experiencing that for five years. And that's, that's exactly what this guy has just experienced. So we're listening to this letter from Paul, and as he writes to us, he says, you know what, in all things, God is working for your good. Now, can't you, can't you just hear this guy maybe muttering under, under, your, under his breath? What, what do you mean, Paul? God's working all things for my good. Don't, don't you know what I've just gone through during the last five years? Don't you know what I've experienced? But, 
Paul is unrelenting. I mean, he's absolutely certain as he communicates this promise of what God is doing. Furthermore, as we'll see next week, I mean, he gets more intense as we get to the end of the chapter. And I think part of the reason Paul is so certain in asserting that God is working is that this wasn't simply part of his teaching. This was, this was part of his life experience. I mean, we know from the earlier letters of Paul that, you know, once he became a Christian, his life became very complicated. In other letters, he talks about some of the hardships that he had experienced, right, from health issues to being imprisoned, to being falsely accused, to being beaten, even being shipwrecked. Yet during the course of those experiences over time, Paul came to understand in in deeper ways that, that God was actually working for his good, even in those situations. This is why Paul could say, even when I'm weak, then I am strong. In other words, even in those hard seasons, even in those disappointing seasons, those seasons that seem hopeless, God is actually at work for our good. Recently, I was talking to someone I just met, and and in the course of the conversation, I asked him questions about his life story. And he's recounted some interesting moments in his life. He, He talked about one disappointing season. When he had graduated from high school, he was applying, and he was applying to his dream school. But the reality was he, he wasn't accepted immediately. And he talked about how hard that was. I mean, if you've had a dream die, you know what that's like. But, but in the midst of that hardship and that difficult place, he experienced this, this spiritual awakening where, where God really brought him back to himself. And so it was definitely a hard place, but, but it was a hard place that was also a good place because God was at work. So this passage, this passage is not promising that bad circumstances will will immediately get better. But but I don't think we need to be scared by that. Because the reality is God does some of his most amazing work in very difficult situations. Now, there's, there's one more thing I want to highlight for you that this verse is not saying. And that is this. This promise doesn't mean we will always see what God is doing. I think sometimes as Christians, um, we read this passage and we assume, you know what, if God's at work, then I'm going to see it and I'm going to know it. I'm going to know exactly what he's doing. And and if I can't see it at the time, he surely must not be at work. But, But there's nothing in this passage that makes that promise. In fact, remember the immediate context in in Romans chapter eight. I mean, Paul has just said that at times when you and I are praying as believers and we don't know how to pray or what to pray for, the spirit, God's spirit, intervenes on our behalf. And I think assumed in that statement is the recognition, you know what, there are going to be some circumstances where we just don't get the big picture. Some circumstances where we don't fully understand what's going on. Some circumstances where we really, at the time, don't fully get what God is doing. For, um, for me, uh, one of those times came when, when I was in college. After my sophomore year of college, I was on a missions project to the nation of Uganda. I was with a large group of, of, of students that had worked in eastern Uganda. And, you know, when, when we came back, there, there was a smaller group of us, about seven student, we, students. We were so pumped at that experience. And we said, you know what, we're, gonna, we're going to go back next year. 
And next year, we're going to go back to an even more remote part of the nation of Uganda. And we're going to put this missions project together. So over the course of that academic year, this is, this is what we started to do. We started putting together this project. We developed it, and we, you know, we kind of planned out all the logistics and where we would be and how would we handle the remote realities that we would experience. Here was our budget, and then we started contacting potential donors. And we contacted donor after donor. But the bottom line was this. We, we didn't raise the money. The project was canceled. And I remember, you know, here, here I am in my early 20s, and I'm kind of like, okay, God, I don't get it. Here we were, we were ready to go to one of the most remote parts of the world to communicate the truth of your gospel. And, and it almost felt like, God, you let us down. Why didn't people get behind us? Why didn't, why didn't the money come in? And, and so there was just a certain level of, of frustration and just disappointment. Well, that summer comes around when we were supposed to be in Uganda, and in the middle of the summer, the Ugandan government was toppled by a military coup. And part of that uprising originated in the very region where we had planned on working. And I remember hearing the news of that reality and that uprising and thinking to myself, okay, God, I, okay, I, I obviously don't always get what you're doing. I don't always see the reality of how you are at work. And I think that's a lesson that we need to learn. So when we come to this verse, we've got to be careful about understanding it well because the promise doesn't mean that we'll be immune from hard circumstances. It doesn't mean that our bad circumstances will quickly get better. It doesn't mean we're always going to see what God is doing. Well, if that's the case, then, then what exactly what is, does it mean? What does Paul want us to understand? And I think particularly in this unusual circumstance that we find ourselves in today, what, is, what does Paul want us to see? And I think, I think what Paul is getting at for us today is this. Even when life circumstances aren't perfect, they are filled with purpose. Even when life circumstances aren't perfect, like a pandemic, they are filled with purpose. In other words, there's, there's no circumstance in our lives that is beyond God's ability to do his good for us. There's no circumstances, there are no circumstances in our lives that are beyond his ability to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Now, if that's the case, then, then you know, what, what is God really doing then? I mean, what is his foundational purpose for our lives? What, what are the foundational ways in which he's working? Well, the answer to that question, I think, is really found in the broader context of this passage. So let's just look at a little larger section of Scripture here. Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, what exactly then is that purpose? Well, he begins to spell it out. And he says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So his purpose in our lives is, is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. So that he, that is Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then now Paul explains that rescue plan, that nature of salvation through a number of related terms. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. 
Now you'll notice here that I've highlighted several different terms and I've highlighted them because I think they are interrelated. First, Paul says, you know, God really is working for our good. He's working according to his purpose. And then he says that purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. Interestingly, in other places, Paul links the idea of reflecting God's image with the idea of glory. And I think that is intended here in this passage as well, that these are three interrelated ideas, God's purpose to be conformed to the image of his son so that we reflect his glory. This is foundational to to what Paul says God is doing even in the midst of hard circumstances. So here's what what I think Paul was really getting at. Go back to the beginning of the biblical storyline for a moment, right? I mean, in the opening chapters of Genesis, we understand that that you and I, we've been created in God's image. We've been created with dignity and responsibility. It's clear in Genesis that to be created in God's image means we've been created to reflect his character, to, to rule over his creation. Furthermore, the, the author of the psalm says that when God created humanity, he crowned them with, with glory and honor. In other words, to be given this responsibility to be made in his image is is in its own way, a form of glory. God has invested in his glory in us so that we can reflect his image and further his mission and be a part of what he's doing. But something happened with the entrance of of sin into the human experience, right? With the entrance of sin, with the entrance of brokenness, with humanity turning in on itself towards self-reliance and self-sufficiency, this purpose, this design that God placed in the realm of humanity, it's been twisted and, and distorted. In fact, Paul will say this in Romans 1. He says that, that through sin, you and I, we have exchanged our God-given glory for worthless idols. That, that purpose, that destiny, that responsibility has now been twisted and distorted because we're pursuing other things. But now God has put a rescue plan in place, and that's, that's what Paul is talking about here. When, when you and I become followers of Jesus, God puts his spirit in us. In this passage, Paul talks about us receiving the first fruits of, of his spirit. And his spirit comes into our lives. And, and the work of the spirit is, is to conform us to the image of his son. So that more and more we, we reflect his character and we are participants in his mission. Now, ultimately, this this process, this rescue plan will not be finished. It won't arrive in in its final form until we get to the new heavens and the new earth. But already it's underway. And and this is is God's purpose for your life. It's, It's God's purpose for my life. His purpose is through Jesus Christ to give us our humanity back. And and I think Paul wants us to see that God is working even in hard situations, even in difficult situations, to fulfill this promise. This week I was in conversation with some friends and we were were talking about how even in this difficult situation, God can be at work shaping us so that more and more we reflect his character, shaping us so that more and more we are engaged in what he's doing. And I think in this season, if we're open to it, there are all kinds of ways that God can actually be at work in our lives. For some of us, I think in this season, God is confronting our idols. He's confronting our idols of, of comfort and, and convenience. 
For others, I think he's inviting us through this season to a deeper place of trust, a deeper place of faith, a deeper place of surrender. For others of us in this season, I think we're being stretched relationally. We're being stretched to see how important relationships are. We're being stretched to to kind of work in different ways in relationships that sometimes can be hard and difficult. And I think for some, he's perhaps simply using the season to build strength and character and fortitude. Furthermore, you know, I think in this time, he's stretching us to see that we're part of his mission. I mean, particularly in this global pandemic that is generating chaos and confusion and uncertainty in every part of the world. We need to be people that are rooted in the gospel. We need to be people that that are spreading hope. We need to be people that are living out our faith. And, you know, one of the exciting things, encouraging things to me is just to see the ways different ones of you are doing that, the way different people in our church are being intentional in spreading hope and in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their communities. And we're going to continue to give you opportunities to do this, just that. Because I think if we're attuned to what God is doing, this is a season for us individually. This is a season for us as a church where God is stretching us and inviting us to see that we really are part of his mission, that he's called us to live out the good news of Christ in our relationships, in our spheres of influence, in our neighborhoods, and and even in this region as a whole. Now understand in saying this, I don't want to downplay or deny in any way the hardship, the stress, the anxiety, the fear of this season. But what I want you to see is, yes, I know it's painful, but I want you to see that there can be purpose in the pain. Even when life circumstances aren't perfect, they are filled with his purpose. So with that in mind, I want to give you this challenge. Here's what I want you to do. Um, Over this next week, I want to invite you to do this. Just start each day. Just this next week that we're starting right now. Start each day just with a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know this is a day in which you are at work. This is a day in which you want to continue to shape me, to reflect your character and and be a part of your mission. So, Father, this day, I I want to be open to that. I want to be open to what your spirit is, is seeking to do in my life. And I encourage you just just for the next just for the next week, just try it, and see see what it's like to come back to this truth. See what it's like to come back to this desire to be open to the Spirit's work in your life. And when you know when things go bad, when you when you lose it with the kids, when you're absolutely exhausted, just come back to God and say, "Okay, God, right now I don't get it. I am absolutely exhausted. This has been a terrible day, or this has been a hard season. I am absolutely exhausted, but still I know." This is a day in which you are at work. This is a day in which you are seeking to conform me to the image of your son. And Father, I just want to kind of reset right now. And I want to be open to the work of your spirit. So I encourage you over the next week, just to start your day that that way. And over the next week, see, see if you can be intentional in coming back to this truth that God is at work. And see if you can be intentional in just coming before God and saying, Father, I want to be open to what your spirit is is doing in this season. Because even though the circumstances aren't perfect, it is a season filled with your purpose. 
And can I suggest to you that over time, as we do this, as we do it individually, as we do it in the context of our families, as we do it as a corporate community, can I suggest to you more and more we will come to see the truth that in all things, God is truly working for our good. With that in mind, would you join me in prayer? Father, we've come to this familiar passage in Romans chapter 8, and we're confronted by this truth. And I confess, sometimes in the midst of the craziness we're going through, this, this truth may seem trite or shallow. And yet the reality is you are at work. And so, Father, even though this is a hard season, I pray that we would be open to the reality that it is a good season because it is a season when you can be at work. I pray that we'd be open to come to you and just acknowledge that this is a day, this is a season where you are at work and we want to be open to your spirit. And I pray that as that happens, that that we'd come to a deeper realization that you truly are working for our good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.